Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Global Geek News Podcast. This, this is episode number 48, and as always, I am your host, Jeremy Bray, alongside my co-host, Wesley Faulkner. How's it going, Wesley? Hey, Jeremy. I'm very tired. Um, had a very long day, uh, and a very exciting day. Yeah, you're not the only one I had. I, this day's just been one thing after another. I'm kind of glad that it's about just about over. Yeah, same here. I, I'm... Uh... Ready to crawl in the bed as soon as we're done recording. Yeah, so am I. I'm kind of hoping it does. I wake up early enough in the morning that I can get everything edited and uploaded. Because at this point, I don't think I'm going to be awake enough tonight to do it. But so, any exciting news? You mentioned that there was something exciting. Oh, uh, this morning um, we have this social media breakfast here in Austin. And actually, it was uh, one of the presenters. It was my first time speaking in a social media capacity. So I was very happy that I was able to, to do it and uh, not look like a total ass. Well, that's good. What did you speak about? It was a prediction. Well, predictions for 2010 were the, was the topic. And uh, we had different people from different, different uh, genres. And uh, mine was uh, fundraising. Oh, okay. Yeah, speaking of which, we need to, like on the last show of the year, come up with a bunch of predictions or something, I was thinking. Yes, definitely, definitely a prediction show. But, yeah, just dedicate a little bit of the show to it, not a whole lot. It, it just kind of depends, depends on how short we are on news. I, this last week in news was absolutely horrible. Today was a little bit better, but I couldn't believe how slow the last week has been in terms of news. No. Yeah. To, to be expected, this close to uh, the next, the end of the year. Yeah, but at least, thanks to our listeners, we are still have a little bit of regular content. I don't know if you've been paying much attention to the blog, but both yesterday and today, I put up a couple of posts that were emailed to me by one of our listeners and readers, Eric Lowe, who sent us a couple of different posts. One was... Well, let me find it here. Um, five tools to, pretend, to prevent laptop-related injuries and eye strain, which is the one I put up today. And the, and the one I believe it was yesterday that I put up was seven free must-have programs to protect your laptop, which has things in it like um, full-disk encryption, backing up your... Um, data, having like a low jack type of program on there and stuff like that. So it's great to see that we're having some uh, listener and reader contributions to the blog so that we have fresh content no matter what. That sounds like really good information. Um, I need to go back and read that article. Yeah, they were both really good. There was the one thing on the... um, seven free must-have programs as far as the backup, but recommended a company that I've never heard of before called Cobian Backup, which is something I hadn't heard of. And then there's, he listed Mosey as an alternative. Personally, I'm a user of Amazon's S3. I find it to be more economical in my particular case, because I'm not doing that much data. So paying, I don't know, five, ten, whatever bucks a month from something like a Mosey doesn't make much sense, whereas 
with what I have now with S3, it's just 15 gigs or 15 cents per gig transferred, and I and for all the months I've been using it, I don't think I've even spent five dollars on what I have backed up to it. So for me, that's what makes a little bit more sense economically. Yeah, that sounds like a really good deal. Yeah, there's there's some good good tools and stuff on there, file shredders, um, alarms, and stuff like that. So that's definitely something to check out. And then the tools for preventing laptop-related injuries and eye strain are pretty cool, too. Stuff that I never really would have thought much of, like text-to-MP3 conversion tools, or if you're tired of staring at a screen, you can just have it converted to MP3, and you can listen to whatever it is that you're reading. Um, Some speech recognition, which I don't know how it is in Windows 7. I haven't played with that yet, but there was a rather famous video from I believe it was the Vista beta about just how bad the voice recognition is in or the speech recognition in Windows Vista, which, if I remember, I'll stick that in the show notes because it's about 10 minutes of total comedy. It, it, I know I've got it favorited on YouTube. I'll have to stick it up there. There's other things like OLED screens, break reminders, external mouse and keyboard, and stuff like that, just for er, for ergonomics and stuff. But a couple of great posts on the blog, which you can find at globalgeeknews.com slash blog, or just go to globalgeeknews.com and hit blog, which globalgeeknews.com is, of course, where you can find the show notes for all of our shows. And one other thing I posted on the blog today that nobody else seems to have is apparently Google is working on an extension for Street View which is supposedly called something around to the effect of inside view, where they're going to like hotels and restaurants and various public places and doing 360 panoramas of these indoor spaces to complement street view. Is that an extension of what we talked about? Like, uh, I don't know if we talked about, but Google goggles in which they have like a augmented reality and which something like that would work inside of a building. I don't know. I, I honestly haven't really looked much at the Google Goggles thing. But this was just something reported by Andy Abramson on the December 3rd edition of Ken Radio. Apparently he was in, I believe he called it the International in San Francisco, his favorite hotel, when apparently the Google team that was doing this came in and started taking 360 panoramas of the hotel lobby. but nobody else seems to have picked up on that, so I tried to run with it today, and so far nobody seems to be picking it up from me, or at least not too many people anyway. But, I don't know, I'm hopeful maybe somebody will notice it tomorrow and get us a lot of traffic. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Uh, Also, I wonder if it's it's trying to fight the new maps by being using their new 3D view, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to check that out yet, but I definitely will check that out as sometime here in the next week or so, since there doesn't seem to be much in the way of news to read anyway. But speaking of news, we might as well go ahead and get on to that, since I yep. actually threw in an extra story and an extra tip of the day more than usual. So go ahead and get started off with apparently Sony is still losing money on every PS3 sold, like somewhere around 36 yeah. bucks. 
So the bomb costs are still greater than the cost of that they sell it for. So it's about $37 more uh, in the additional bomb to the two ninety nine selling price. Um, so, which is not a surprise to me. It's still in a very expensive console because of the cell processor, processor is still not a commodity part, something that they have to get specially made. And uh, Blu-ray drives are still fairly expensive. Yeah, it certainly doesn't surprise me too much. I... I was trying to remember how much they were selling them at a loss for when they first came out. It, it seemed like they were selling it at about a $200 a unit loss or something like that. So they've certainly managed to get the cost down quite a bit. Yeah, making it slimmer and uh, and and cheapening up some of the internals definitely is saving them money. Um, I, I have no idea of Maybe that'll be part of our prediction show, figuring out when the console will cross that line between red and black and, and not cost so much. Yeah, it, I'd say that's definitely coming up, but hope. But if that's going to happen, I'd say there can't be any more price drops here in the near future. That's Because I, I think that's kind of the biggest difference here. Yeah, the next opportunity for a price drop would be back to school season. Uh, that would be the only time since we're already in the holidays and they haven't dropped it yet. Most likely they're not going to drop it for the holidays, and there's no other incentive to to purchase one between now and then, uh, unless um, it's back to school. Yeah, I would say they might announce something maybe at E3 or the Tokyo Game Show, but other than that, I I don't see them announcing price drops anytime soon. And even at that, I kind of skeptical as far as that goes yeah we just have to wait for a formal press release that says that they are never or they're not going to reduce the price and then then we'll know that a price cut's coming yeah yeah that's generally the indicator with sony and a couple other companies but mainly sony usually they'll deny it up until about five minutes before the announcement but speaking of pricing Apparently the LCD price-fixing investigation goes on and has reached $860 million in total fines. Which is interesting because it doesn't seem as if any of the people who are actually affected by this price-fixing and gouging and the the collusion uh, will get any of the breaks because it seems that uh, like computer manufacturers like HP, Dell, and Apple were affected by this also? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering if now that um, the company that provi- provides the LCDs to HP, Dell, and Apple is going to knock off their um, price fixing, I'm kind of curious to see if maybe we'll see some cheaper Apple machines in early next year. Yeah, I would also like to have that funding, I mean, some of those funds passed down to me. Like, if I overpaid for my laptop because the screen was overpriced, I would like some of that money back. Yeah, that would be nice, but I'm I'm sure as far as they're concerned, since they're paying it to Uncle Sam, we're getting paid that way. Yeah, I guess. At least offer us a discount, a coupon code or something. Yeah, it, I, it seems like in the past there's been companies that have done something like that, but I don't see that happening in this particular case. Right. Well, I say bravo to the Department of Justice for 
uh, checking this down um, and uh, prosecuting the people who are responsible for trying to gouge Americans. Yeah, I've, I've noticed, and it seems like, especially lately, LCD prices have fallen like in the last year or two quite a bit, so I'm guessing this is probably why. Well, also, probably the uh, LCDs, sorry, the HDTVs, the larger display panels, mm-hmm. I'm guessing that probably affected monitors, too, with the larger glass. Yeah, true, and I think everybody's still kind of waiting around for OLED screens at this point, but from my understanding is that they seem to be running into issues trying to make any screens larger than, what is it, the 11-inch OLED TV that Sony has? Really? Yeah. That's a shame. Yeah, I heard something, I think it was in the past week or two, from I believe, I believe it was from Sony, saying that, yeah, they're trying to get TVs and stuff with OLED screens going, but they seem to be running into major manufacturing issues or whatever when they try to do anything above the 11-inch screen that they have now. But Yeah, well, yeah... The, the... With the, I think a lot of uh, influx of purchases, and and I think more people aren't buying standalone screens anymore. Maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah, could be. Uh, sorry about that. A little more <laughs> tired than I thought I was. <laughs> yeah, I, I would. It could be. I'm not. I don't know what the issue is. I'm kind of curious to see what comes out of. CES this year, which my plans for there. I don't know if I'm going to get to go this year. I was hoping to do some shows live from CES, but thanks to our wonderful city government, I'm not so sure that's going to happen because I got a jury duty summons on Thursday for the Thursday of CES. So, depending on whether or not I can get that rescheduled, I'm not sure if I'm going to make it to CES this year or not. Yeah. Well, that would make both of us, because I know I'm not going. Yeah, that's too bad that you can't aren't getting to go. Yeah. Speaking of going places, apparently the Mozilla's Director of Community Development, Aza Dotzler, wants you to start going to Bing instead of Google. Yeah, he's been uh, with Mozilla for 10 years, and he didn't like error... Eric Smith's uh, speech talking about privacy, so he thinks Bing has a better privacy statement than than Google does, and so he's encouraging his users or the users of Firefox to download the plugin uh, for the Bing search into Firefox. Yeah, this this kind of surprised me considering the fact that Mozilla gets around eighty percent of its funding from Google. I'm kind of says ninety seven percent in this article. Is it ninety seven percent? That's what they say, yeah. Mm. I was thinking it was like 80% or maybe it's $80 million or whatever was the last... I'm thinking that maybe that's what that was, was $80 million mm. the last time Google paid Mozilla. So I'm kind of curious to see if this happens to jeopardize that agreement at all. Um, no, it seems like that, you know, I mean, they just renewed and they have competing... Um, Competing, competing applications, and um, I don't think that they that, that I think those divisions are are 
are separated in a, in a way that what one individual says is separated from their, their sales units. Well, at least I hope that's the way it is. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly how it works. I don't know. It to me, Google's whole privacy issue never really bothered me. I mean, I do everything with Google, whether it's searches or email or calendar or whatever. I basically do pretty much everything through Google. I have it doesn't really bother me any if they have access to all my information. It, I don't know if it means I can get some better ads. That's fine, but I don't really see those anyway because I use Adblock, Adblock Plus. So, but as far as I can tell, they haven't done anything nefarious with my data, so I really don't care too much about it. Yeah, well, I wouldn't switch to Bing just because I'm still I'm used to the Google Google interface. When I type in certain things that. Um, the way it's displayed, as in addresses and mm-hmm. uh, prices. I, I like the way it's laid out with general search terms. Yeah. Um, and uh, I like how it ranks things, as in when I'm doing a search for a person, that some of the rel- relevant data pops to the top. Mm-hmm. So I think this was a, a, a deflated car to- call to arms uh, against Google and more of a just a statement. Yeah, I think when it comes down to who you use as your search provider, it should be based primarily on the quality of results that you get. And anybody who hasn't used Bing or whatever and doesn't want to really totally switch, I always recommend they try Bing and Google.com. Basically, it's a real plain page, almost like a Google page, just about. But when you enter in a search term, we'll say, which I have it up right now, and we'll say we'll look for Global Geek News, it'll split the, um, it'll bring it up in two different frames, and the left will be a Bing search result, and the right will be a Google search result. So you can compare the two results just to see, are you getting similar results, which one has better results, stuff like that, and that's the way I think it you should go with that. Yeah. I always think of uh, Google number one being number two. And if I have a failure, that's the order I go. Yeah, that that's kind of the way I go, which I find it interesting. Wow. I can't believe that the Global Geek News Facebook fan page is as high as it is on the Google results. And I also see that the... Other podcast that is ripping off our name is now the number two on the Google results. I am now no longer in a good mood. Anyway, let's put me in some good mood in a good mood and talk <laughs> piracy, my favorite subject. Uh, apparently, our favorite anti-piracy group out of um, the Dutch area of the world, the Breen, is looking to ban people from talking about Usenet. Which, as everybody knows, the first rule of Usenet is you don't talk about Usenet. Right. And so they're talking about uh, not passing along links, not passing along files, but just talking about pirated files. Um, And they want to make that practice illegal, which would mean that any discussion of illegal activity, apparently, would be banned. So a lot of news articles sound like might be affected by this. 
yeah, basically sites like Torrent Freak and stuff like that, which is generally where I get most of my piracy news, other than like peer-to-peer net and other places, would be um, wouldn't exist because there would be nothing to really talk about. Well, I mean, even this podcast itself, like if we talked about, um, oh yeah, we saw Office 2010 on the on uh, the torrent site, mm-hmm. something like that. We, we this this uh, podcast itself would be illegal. Yeah, it it would certainly have far-reaching effects. Luckily, this is just in that area of the world, and so it wouldn't really have any direct effect on us, I don't think, other than we might have to change the kind of stories we talk about a little bit. But, yeah, this would be a major deal if it went through, but I would seriously doubt that any judge would let something like this happen. Yeah, well, at least the that uh, it this seems like a pretty flimsy case, and and it's probably going to get thrown out if there's any sense at all. Yeah, well, hopefully it does. But speaking of piracy, Demonoid is back. Uh, Demonoid? Oh yeah, it's like the top private tracker in the world. Um, generally, the kind of Whenever I've used it, it's generally kind of the place you want to go for, like, the obscure stuff or older stuff or lesser-known stuff that you're looking to download compared to what you'd find on, like, the Pirate Bay or whatever. But it's been down for a number of months due to some hardware issues. Then they were having to recode a bunch of stuff. But as of, oh, maybe it was Friday or Saturday or something like that, it's now finally back online. So... Okay, and what makes it private? You said it was a private tracker. Um, generally, it's... Demonoid... Well, it's probably the most public pi- private track- tracker there is. But when I say private tracker, I mean... Generally, it's... Um, in their case, like once a month or once every so often... They'll open up registration. Otherwise, the registration is closed at all times... Unless you get referred to be a member by a friend or whatever. Which, that's how a true private tracker is, is you have to be, um, you have to have somebody refer you to be in, to be able to get in there. Cool. But, anyway, they're back online. And, speaking of our next pirate story, apparently pirates aren't doing as much damage to Hollywood as the MPAA and others would like you to believe, because Hollywood just had a record-breaking year of a $10.6 billion box office, or that's the estimate of what it'll be by the end of the year. Yeah, the most amount that they've ever made in a 12-month period. And uh, kind of deflates their excuse that piracy is really taking a chunk out of their profits. Mm-hmm. Well, it, when I saw this number, I was kind of surprised. I, I I guess I really hadn't paid much attention to the numbers before, I guess, last year being about a billion dollars less than what we have this year. But lately there's been a lot of buzz over this new movie Avatar, and, it, and that it took $400 million to make the movie. I That's a considerable chunk of the revenues. I'm kind of surprised that they would even make a movie that expensive, considering these revenues. Yeah. And uh, but I think like some of the smaller budgets, like 
a Twilight, for instance, can make up for that because it's a team bop, team, teeny bopper success, and yet it's not going to be as much as a, an Avatar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I still can't decide if I want to go see this Avatar movie. I mean, the technology and stuff that they used with it, which is supposed to be all new, it looks cool, but I don't know. It, I just have a hard time getting over kind of there's a certain look to it I'm just not too sure of. Yeah, uh, CGI looks like CGI to me. I can tell. It doesn't look mm-hmm. real. Yeah, it's, it looks like it. the story and everything would be decent. I'm kind of curious to see how it turns out. I think this is uh, James Cameron's first real big film since the Titanic. Yeah, this movie's going to Titanic. But. Sorry, James. <laughs> yeah, but... Anyway, back on track with the story, I, I was kind of, to an extent I was surprised by this, to an extent I wasn't. I'm kind of curious to know if where this um, growth is coming from, if it's, com- how much, and how much of it is coming from piracy as far as people not sure if they want to see the movie, so they go download it off of the Pirate Bay or wherever, watch the mo- movie or part of the movie say, hmm, okay, well, this actually is worth seeing in a movie theater, and then go see it in a movie theater. I'm kind of curious to know how much of that is happening in this particular case. Yeah, I'm also wondering how many of this, uh, of the 10 billion, is IMAX movies, because I've seen a lot more IMAX movies this year than I have in a while. Uh, I haven't noticed any IMAX, just be- but then again, we don't have an IMAX for maybe 60 miles from here. But compared to when I lived out in Utah, I used to have one about a mile from my or mile two miles away from the apartment, which was really nice. But yeah, I've noticed a lot in terms of 3D movies, and I'm kind of surprised at how much they can get away with for charging for those 3D movies. Yeah, and but people are paying. I guess it's still worth it, uh, and the quality might be good. But yeah. It, I guess after the the writer strike, we've been getting some really good scripts. Mm. Eh, some, I think so. Some, not so much. I mean, I saw The Blind Side a couple of weeks ago. That was good. But then again, I went and saw Old Dogs yesterday, and that one I didn't care for near as much. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I, I think with a lot of movies, it just t- tends to be a little bit more hit or miss. But at least. Um, in some cases, now that um, people who do decide to pirate the movies or whatever, they might ha- still have um, still be able to do that with fair use, or at least it might be possible anyway, because that's what the latest development is coming out of the Joel Tannenbaum case. Yeah, I guess this is a, a closer examination to the judgment that was in favor of the RIAA. Um, parsing of the the 38-page decision shows that uh, a possible defense that would be relevant and plausible is fair use of copying the music um, for place shifting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, essentially, I think what they're looking to get out of this, and this, and as far as my understanding goes, it wouldn't necessarily affect this case. The judgment's already in although there's still questions about whether or not the 
$625,000 fine is excessive or whatever, and there's still much to be decided in terms of attorney's fees and sanctions and stuff like that. But as far as this decision goes, or what they're asking for, it seems kind of like what the laws they have in Sweden are in that you're okay to pirate something as long as it's for personal use. Mm-hmm. Although in this case, they're, it's more of a, it's okay to pirate something if you've already purchased a physical copy of it. Yes. So that's more of like a licensing rule that you license a work uh, depend, and it's irrespective of how it was actually dis- distributed to you. Mm-hmm. So if you got it on a CD, you, you own it. If you got it uh, illegally downloading it, but stop using the CD, then you own it. So I think that's probably part of the the defense he said that they could have that he could have used. Yeah, th- this would have if something like this was to happen, it would certainly be beneficial to me. I mean, not that I really care. I'll pirate whatever I want anyway. But it would be nice just because I have a tendency of. I've got quite a few CDs, and every once in a while, some of them get scratched. I know I've just noticed in the past week. I apparently have developed some pits on my band from TV uh, CD, and if I was able to just download some copies legally just to um, fix that, just even though I've already just because I've already got the physical CD, that would be nice. But at the same time, this kind of has more um, is relevant to a number of different industries not just particularly music or I would assume movies too but um, a lot of video games and stuff I mean there's a lot of people I know especially when you're talking about older legacy games like ROMs and stuff that most people gen- or most people that don't want to um, bring the their old consoles and stuff out of the closet They'll just generally go download ROMs online, which it's technically illegal, but nobody really cares. It's abandonware, essentially, mm-hmm. unless, unless right. of course, it, like Nintendo wants to bring it back on the um, on the Wii HD. Yeah, the Virtual Console or whatever on the Wii. But mm-hmm. and that's always been something that a lot of people have been concerned about. It's that, yeah, I may have had a copy of it years ago and may still have it in a box in storage or whatever somewhere. I, I'm like this as well. I should be able to download a ROM of it I, just because that's a whole lot easier than trying to find the console, trying to find the game and make sure the controllers and everything still work and it's just a whole lot more convenient and it's not like they're losing any money because they haven't sold these games in probably 15 years. That That's just kind of the way I see it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, I, generally speaking, like piracy for your own use, I think the previous story with the box office showing that they are... Gaining, making more money than they ever made. Uh, same thing was true with music. They're making more money than they ever that they have ever made. So that piracy really doesn't affect purchase sales. So what is the reason against piracy if sales are not affected? Then I, I can't think of a valid reason. Mm-hmm. So that aside, um, 
these each of these judgments. I, I do agree that piracy is wrong, uh, but I think it's one of those things where it's a degree of wrong, like uh, telling a lie is wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but it's not, you know, six hundred six hundred twenty five thousand dollars worth of wrong. Yeah. Well, that that number is actually small in comparison to what the record labels could be fined, which is six billion dollars for damages from pirating from the artists themselves. Now this is just this is this is a little taste of their own medicine of not looking at looking looking in the behalf of the artists and making sure that they get their their money. Um, which they owe them by stealing their records and selling them. Talk about the real piraters. Mm-hmm. Oh, which reminds me, just a quick follow-up on a, on the story from last week about the girl that was arrested for supposedly getting a couple of seconds of Twilight on video when she was taping a birthday party or whatever. I guess they dropped all of the charges and stuff from on for that particular case. Wow. But, Anyway, yeah, as far as this goes, it's almost kind of a, um, it it kind of follows up on a story that we covered, I it's been a couple months ago, I believe, about Alejandro Fernandez, which is Latin America's biggest artist, where he had the cops raid the Sony Music Office in Mexico and confiscate over 6,000 CDs that the label refused to return to him because he only had a contract for doing so many albums with him and they took extra music of his, turned it into more albums and were selling them even though they didn't have the copyright to it, which apparently this is somewhat common in that apparently a lot of the larger record labels, whenever they go and do a compilation album, like maybe like that WoW 15 or whatever it is that they're up to now. Or or party mix twenty seven or whatever. They yeah, call it, for yeah. stuff like that, where they'll just say they'll just throw all these songs onto a CD and ship it, and say that they'll deal with the licensing and copyright issues later, and then just kind of never get around to it. As to where apparently now that list of unpaid tracks has grown to around three hundred thousand. Yeah, which as you said is totally in close to six billion dollars in damaging damages. Um, which I hope that uh, like Warner, Sony, BMG, EMI, and Universal, I, I hope they they get the maximum fine for that. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping so. Hoping so too. I'm I'm kind of wondering how um, if there's like a statute of limitations on any of this because apparently um, this number of three hundred thousand is going all the way back into the eighties. So I'm I'm wondering how much they can actually sue for if they can sue for something that old or not. I sure hope so. I mean, if you think about copyright law, how long someone owns a copyright, mm-hmm. um, th- then like you know, talking about you know Disney and you know Mickey Mouse, you should still be able to prosecute for something that old. Yeah, I'm not sure, but. I'm thinking with the DMCA, there's a statute of limitations of five years, but I'm not positive on that. So I'm 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 pretty sure it's five years, but I I don't know. So I'm guessing that songs going back twenty years ago or whatever aren't gonna count, but I don't know. Well, 
I mean, there might be a difference between criminal and civil, mm-hmm. and this would be a civil civil suit. Yeah, well, for civil stuff, I'm not sure what, if any, statute of limitations exists. But at least, hopefully, in this case or whatever, which I believe is going on in Canada, hopefully the judges aren't friends with any of the lawyers. I love this story. Um, Saying that basically you can't connect with... The judges can't connect with with lawyers that could appear before them, which I'm actually I'm fine with that. I I don't know where you fall on this, but I, I think that that does give a lawyer a distinct advantage in front of a judge. Yeah, it, to me, I don't really see any real issues with it. I think apparently this is coming out of Florida's Judicial Ethics Advisory Committee, saying that lawyers and judges can no longer be Facebook friends or presumably on MySpace or whatever else. Which, I mean, they're friends in real life, and most judges used to be lawyers, if not all of them. So, a lot of these guys used to be co-workers and stuff. Like one of them said on there, that if I wanted to talk to somebody, I'd just call them up. So, I, I really don't see how them being friends on a social network really affects things. Well, I think them being friends in real life really affects things. I think if if yeah. you're a judge and I'm a lawyer and we're friends in real life, regardless of social media networks, you should recuse, recuse yourself from anything that I present in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, so for that same reason, I, I especially if they're friends in real life, then uh, they should not uh, be able to appear in court in front of each other. Yeah, that I certainly agree with. It's just I don't see that being friends on a social network has is any different than being friends in real life as to where this would make much in the way of any difference. But, well, that's what I'm yeah. saying. In in either way, it, I would say either way, friends in real life, friends on Facebook, they shouldn't appear in front of mm-hmm. each Yeah, I, I don't know. I, it just isn't as nice as that would be. I just don't think it's realistic in this day and age. Depends on, I guess, the size of the city and... If we're talking about large cities like uh, New York or or L.A., it's t- entirely possible for them to be in separate circles and not have one appear before the other. But if we're talking about small-town USA, then I can see that it's almost close to impossible to recuse, your, recuse yourself from from a court case. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see if this starts to catch on on other states, because apparently this... Um, new- that Florida is the only state so far that this has become an issue in. So I'm kind of curious to see how quickly this movement sweeps the nation. Yeah, that'd be funny. But, yeah, hopefully there won't be too many unfriended people because of this, but who knows? I will think about it. Like, if you are a judge, I'm a lawyer. We're friends on Facebook. I can say, "Oh, I saw that you you had your uh, your daughter's birthday party yesterday. How'd that go?" Mm-hmm. And then you're like, "It went very well. Thanks for asking." And so that might endear you towards me personally even more right before something happens. Mm-hmm. Or what if, for instance, um, going back to your daughter having a birthday. I know that your daughter's eight years old. I'm presenting a case in which uh, 
a juvenile was raped and murdered, and I use your daughter as an example because I know it's around the same age as your daughter. I have that distinct advantage from being friends with you on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Stuff, stuff like that. I think it comes down to just how good these guys are at separating their personal life from the business life. I think that's kind of where it comes down to. I mean, if I if I can yeah. um, be can just see things, yeah, just see things at face value in a business life, and not let my personal life affect that, then I I see no problem at all. But a lot of people aren't that way. Oh yeah, but when you think about presenting court cases, you can have a whole bunch of circum circumstances circumstantial evidence to prove your your point and it not be true and the same thing with well they're friends on facebook they've he's had this many course cases presented in front of him he's won this many and then for thus conclusion his judgment is compromised and so i just rather not have that doubt there Mm -hmm. yeah it it seems like it's just gotten to be one screwed up system as it is i have pretty much no faith in the judicial system anymore. Yeah, especially since they're keeping you from going to CES. Yeah, that didn't help their case, but I just kind (laughs) of gave up all hope on them kind of after I got screwed with the last speeding ticket that I had. The only speeding ticket I had, I should say. But at least I won't be getting screwed out of hard drive space that I should have anymore thanks to Western Digital's new advanced format. Yeah, especially since of um, you're saying of how much you pirate, more space is always better. Yeah, I'm gonna need some more space. I think like in the last week, I've downloaded I don't know, seventy or so gigs worth of stuff. Maybe somewhere around there. Maybe a little more. Yeah, this is gonna be one of the heaviest bandwidth months for me in a long time. But wow, all those legal Linux ISOs. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing how many there are out there. <laughs> but apparently Western Digital has come up with a way of changing how they do their sectors on their hard drive as far as where the um, sync slash dam header is and the ECC for a sector and basically taking those and sticking those at the end of a 4K sector instead of here and there throughout the sector. So it's actually going to be freeing up somewhere between 7 and 11% hard drive space. So which, if you're talking about like a 1 or 2 terabyte hard drive, you're talking about a lot of space that you're getting back. Un- yeah, unfortunately, so this isn't so- for any existing drives. Yeah, they're still going to implement this in the next coming months with their their lines coming out, which... Is going to be an interesting thing to see how they advertise it. If they advertise it, how much more space that they get per drive, um, they're going to have to talk about formatted space instead of unformatted space, which is what they use currently to sell drives. Mm-hmm. And I hope that might be a practice in which people will start advertising formatted rates instead of unformatted rates, and so you know exactly what you're getting when you do an install of a hard drive. Yeah, I don't know why, I just have it in my mind that they're going to do something like a cereal company would, where it's like for the same price, and then they'll 
put like a little thing up in the corner of the box now with 33% more for free. Yeah, well, or they could just use their own brand name of now with Western Digital Storage Boost Ultra. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't yeah. think that advanced format is a really catchy marketing name, so I'm sure they're probably going to change that at some point. But I'm kind of curious to see how or if there will be any if this is going to affect programs like Spinrite and stuff that and various other hard drive maintenance utilities with this with these right. changes. Yeah, or data recovery uh, software. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, generally speaking, I stick to Western Digital Drives. That they always seem to have worked out the best for me. But if I don't, if I can't run Spinrite on them, then there's no way I'll buy them. Just because Spinrite has saved my butt more than once. But apparently. Yeah, this is they're not this is supposed to, they're going to start coming out with this or it's going to be starting they're starting to integrate this in their Caviar Green line of drives here in the next few weeks before moving it to all of their other drives which it doesn't surprise me too much that that's the line they chose first. I I think that's kind of their most popular line right now just cuz it's the more green and eco-friendly and stuff and it's generally a little bit slower and it, it seems like most people wa- are using those in like NAS devices and home servers and stuff because with them being just a little bit slower th- they're not something you'd necessarily want to use to have your operating system on but just for extra storage mm-hmm. I'm curious whether or not they are going to submit this for ISO certification uh, some sort of standard based body to <laughs> take a look at it and make it formal uh, or if they're going to just hold on to it and either not or do license it to other companies so they can implement these on their product lines also. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to see if the other, if there's any other companies that try and pick up this technology and run with it. That would certainly be nice. I, I don't know. I'm kind of curious how many more of these advancements we're going to have before we, they just kind of trickle off as we all move towards solid-state drives, although... There's, those are still way too expensive at this point to be able to actually migrate to just solid state drives. Yeah, I'm also um at what size that this ceases to become become wasteful or a disadvantage because if you can save more room with increasing the sector size to 4K, what about 8K? What about 16K? How about one meg? I mean, does does that make sense? How much more data could you fit in there? Mm-hmm. Well, it, it seems like there's some technical reason for having sectors size of 4K or something like that, but I don't remember exactly well, what it it's, is. Well, um, it's because uh, the sector size depends on how much an individual file takes up. Regar- uh, for instance, uh, let's in this example, 4K... This 4K data chunk. If I have a 1K file, it'll take up that whole 4K data chunk. Mm-hmm. If I have a whole bunch of 1K files, it'll take up a whole bunch of 4K data chunks. Mm-hmm. So it'll be four times the size. And so when you slice them up into different sectors individually, um, that are, that are let's say 1K, um, then a 1K file will take up a 1K sector. Mm-hmm. So it'll be more of a one for one instead of a, a, a one for four if it's uh, 1k files in this example yeah 
Uh, it'll be interesting to see just kind of where this goes from here. But at least this, with since you're getting more um, data storage on that, maybe that means you'll be using your iPhone a little bit less. Well, that's what AT&T hopes. At least their CEO. Yeah, apparently they're the AT&T CEO Ralph De La Vega, the chief executive at AT&T Mobility, has apparently decided that the customers are the enemy because three per the top three percent of their customer base use uses forty percent of the data traffic on their network. And considering they seem to have major issues in areas like Manhattan and San Francisco. Apparently, he'd rather attack the customers than hurry up and roll out more infrastructure. Yeah, that's kind of funny that the people who rely on the iPhone for data a lot are probably going to be the most vocal in terms of how bad the network is and probably how overhanded the restrictions would be if they did impose a limit uh, a limit to usage. Yeah, I... I don't know, it seems to me kind of like almost the Comcast approach to things where you don't want the top percent of bandwidth users degrading the network, so you give them a cap or whatever to deal with, and it sounds like that's kind of possibly going to be the road that they're going to have to go down. Yeah, I, I think there should be more an, an incentive to not use a lot of data more than a disincentive overly using it. Uh, I like the I like the carrot more than the stick in this approach when you're talking about people who have already signed contracts, there's agreement by both parties uh, to to one pay the bills and the other one to provide service mm -hmm. th that they both stick to that side. But when you're talking about renegotiating from a an area from, from a position of power saying we own the network and we want you to use less or we'll charge you even more even though we agreed that we were going to cap you at a certain price I think that's just unfair and speaking of which I just switched to AT&T uh, about a month and a half ago month and a half ago and I didn't know that they they bill ahead in their in their cycle so I paid a month in advance for cell phone service which really sucks cuz I'm giving them a month free of an, uh, a month free interest a month of interest-free money, mm -hmm. which which I'm not comfortable with. Yeah, well, if anything, usually when, assuming they do do something about this, which I would guess they will, normally when something like this happens, it's like a loophole that you can use to get out of your contract. So I'm guessing that maybe there will be a whole bunch of people using this as a means to get out of their contract early if they are tired of AT&T and don't want to stick around for two years. Yeah, so this is all hearsay right now. There haven't been anything, haven't been any hard and fast rules of what they're going to implement to try to discourage the use, but um, I, yeah, they're going to have to provide some sort of statement saying this is how, how much data you've used. I haven't, I haven't really seen that on my statements yet. I don't know if they provide that, but I don't know how much data I use. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's kind of a Comcast problem is that it's until just recently, like here within maybe like the past two weeks or whatever, that they've finally gotten their bandwidth monitor out. 
and even at that, it's only like in Portland, Oregon, and that's it, or something like that, which is kind of totally retarded. I don't see why it's taken them this long. I mean, there's open source router firmwares out there that have built-in bandwidth monitors. Just yank the code off of those, make sure to give them the attribution or whatever, and do and integrate that into the system, and they could have had this done a year ago, but they never have really seemed to want to get on the ball with it. But Yeah, yeah. They're trying to squeak out as much money as possible by letting their, but not spending money on their network, letting it deteriorate and try to get more subscribers all at the same time. You can't have your cake and eat it too. If you want to advertise you have the best network, maintain and keep it up to date. I think also that they're trying to hold off as long as possible for the LTE transition and build up that network and then switch everyone wholesale. Um, the same reason, or I mean, the same way that they abandoned all their analog users and stopped providing service for them. Yeah, that that seems to be to make the most sense. But speaking of gouging the customers, I just realized that we accidentally skipped over a Microsoft story, where apparently they've decided to invent price gouging the least influential. Apparently, they've come up with some kind of a system where depending on how influential you are depends on how much you pay for a product. Anywhere from, say, free to $5 to $10 to $20 to $25 for the same identical item just based on how much influence you you have. Yeah, this doesn't sound like anything new. <laughs> Whenever, if you, if you watch any television show and a rich person walks in, they get all these free complimentary drinks, and they get free appetizers. But some Joe Schmo comes in off the street, boom, they have to pay for everything. They get comp to go to award ceremonies, and they get goodie bags. Rich people never have to pay for anything, but uh, the, the poorer you are, the more you have to spend. Yeah, this it that's kind of sad, but at the same time, I don't see how something like this really works on the internet too much. I mean, the internet where pretty much even the smallest blogger can have a huge voice and a huge impact on a global audience, it's kind of hard to say that a person doesn't have influence compared to like a Michael Arrington who has a lot of influence because it just takes one or two people to get a story started being passed around before it goes viral and all of a sudden it's huge. Right, and then it would totally corrupt things like deal sites, um, Black Friday deals, or anything like that. If they try to implement a system like that, where you don't know what your the price is going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to see. I doubt they'll ever implement anything with this. I think this is probably more of just a, a patent application saying, "Hey, we came up with this idea. Should we ever decide to do anything with it?" Or if you decide to do anything with it, we have the patent, so you better license it from us. I think that's just kind of what's going on here. Mm, yeah. Uh, if someone did implement this, but in what way would... Um, yeah. What, what, if, what if someone's uh, reputation or, or influence is measured differently than the way Microsoft deems it. Mm-hmm. Do you think that would 
uh, revoke the would 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 they would that fall outside the patent if someone chose to use their own influential uh, metric instead of Microsoft's influential metric? Well, that, that's one of the things. I mean, how do you determine how influential per- a person is? Is it based on how many blog readers they have, how many Facebook friends they have, who their Facebook right. friends are? I mean, judges or lawyers? Yeah, I mean, there's no real definitive way of saying this person is more influential than another person. I mean, yeah, there's some people that, like, say they're a newscaster or something like that. Yeah, they're going to have more influence than just the stay-at-home mom or something like that. But at the same time, there's no real way to say that this, that two average people have any more influence than the other ones. Yeah, yeah. It could be like I'm the CEO of a company. I don't blog that much, but uh, I do meet with uh, the members of the board every other week, and so I could have a lot of influence over over influential people. That kind of thing too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those. It seems like one of those half baked kind of ideas. So I'm kind of curious to see how that turns out. But anyway, that would be all of our stories. I don't think I. I think that was the only one that I accidentally skipped over. But anyway, we do have two tips of the week this week. I thought that with this being the Christmas season and all, I'd be a little bit on the generous side and give you two tips of the week instead of just one. The first step, or the first tip I should say, is how to install Windows 7 with a USB drive. Uh, Apparently this is a tool that Microsoft has kind of been in the news for for having used open source software and not um, uh, taking, not redistributing the code for the software or whatever. But apparently this is the Windows 7 USB DVD download tool that'll allow you to turn your USB drive into a bootable drive and boot and install Windows 7 from it, which apparently you have to have a 4 gig drive from, but you can find out more details on that in the show notes, as well as, well as everything for all of our other stories. But our other tip of the day, or the tip of the week, I should say, is how to get a better deal from your ISP. Basically, doing things like saying, hey, I'm getting this offer from a competitor, can you match it? Or something that I've tried, that I've used on numerous occasions, and that, well, if you can't lower our bill any, we're going to have to quit and go with somebody else that can give us a better price and it's amazing how much you can save with these little tactics and stuff when it comes to your ISP bill or your cable bill or satellite bill or whatever and you can't do that for everything but for stuff like this it, it, you'd be amazed at just how much you'll save mm-hmm. but and we, we all need to save money these days yeah definitely yeah, there's a Wired how-to wiki article on different things and different strategies and stuff, but I don't, I don't know how it. I think each company kind of handles it their own way. It seemed like with Comcast, we could do it like three times in a row where we're saying, "Oh, we're gonna quit if you don't lower our price or whatever," and then like for three times in a row they'll give us 
whatever the deal happens to be at the time, whether it's like twenty bucks twenty bucks a month for internet or something like that, compared to like the forty five that we're paying or whatever. But and then it seemed like the you have to go for a certain period after that where you don't get any deals, and then you can get deals again. But basically, I've known people, myself included, that have basically been pulling these stunts for years and just keep getting tons of money knocked off the cable bill. And you can also specifically ask them for their customer retention department, Mm -hmm. and that could bypass the entry level techs or customer service reps and you get directly to the people who have a list of deals kind of like a menu that they are uh, empowered to offer you to retain you as a customer. Yeah, generally I just straight ask for the cancellation people usually. That usually gets me to where I need to be because the cancellation people usually have those offers. At least that's the way it is with Comcast anyway. Yeah, I've done that before too, but some people, it's one of those, uh, you actually have to cancel, and they'll call you the next day saying, hey, I saw that you canceled yesterday, is there anything that we can get you back, or were you not satisfied with your service, and those are actually the retention people, and then you have to get your service reconnected. Um, So depending on how far you want to go, the cancellation sometimes doesn't do the trick, Mm -hmm. um, and because the people who do the cancellation are not necessarily the retention policy, depending on how uh, how how they set up their shop. They may be inefficient, and people have, you know, they try to get old customers instead of retaining their current ones. Yeah, and I think a lot of it has to do with the person on the other end of the line. I mean, there are times when I'll yeah. call in to do something like this, and sometimes I'll get somebody that's just real rude or whatever that doesn't care if I stay with them or not and would just be as happy to disconnect me as to keep me so usually I'll go to like okay well if you can't offer me anything else I guess I'll go call DirecTV and have it set up and as soon as it's set up then I'll disconnect with you guys or whatever then hang up then you pretty much just keep trying again until you get somebody that's willing to work with you I find that that tends to work best yeah, I agree with that but approach. Anyway, that would be all the stories and all the um, tips for the week, which you can all which you can find everything at globalgeeknews.com. You can also find the blog articles that we mentioned earlier at globalgeeknews.com/blog. And just to be nice, I'm not even and for the sake of time, I'm not even gonna bother mentioning the mentioning the donations this week. But if you want to, you can always go check those out at globalgeeknews.com slash donations, figure out what that's about. And if you have any questions, feel free to drop me a line. Or if you have any comments or anything about the show, or would you, or if you'd like to submit some tech tips like Eric did, you're welcome to email me, pcnerd37 at globalgeeknews.com. Or you can Twitter me, which I am at pcnerd37. Or better yet, you can... Follow Global Geek News on Twitter, which is at Global Geek News. And you can also follow Wesley on Twitter, who is at Wesley83. And if you have any comments, suggestions, who you'd like to see in terms of guests on the show, I'm always taking suggestions for stuff like that. And pretty much anything else we can do to improve the show. So 
feel free to drop us a line, let us know what what you think of the show, and don't forget to subscribe to the show. I know a lot of people just go to the website and listen to it from there or download it from there. You don't have to do that. There's you can subscribe to the RSS feed into your um, iTunes or Zoom player or whatever, or in the link of the show notes, there's a direct link for for Global Geek News on iTunes that you can use it to subscribe that way. And don't forget to subscribe to the blog as well. I, I never seem to remember to say to subscribe to the actual RSS feeds and stuff, but, but luckily I remembered this week. But anyway, I can't think of... Anything else for this week's show? Can you think of anything that I'm forgetting? Uh, no, but uh, if people are curious in seeing my speech, uh, it is recorded through Ustream, and I do have a link uh, to that on my blog at wesley83 at posterous.com. Alrighty, and if I remember, I'll stick that into the show notes as well. But I guess that will be all for this week, so we will see you guys next week. Later. <laughs>